0: How Welcome to the Insider World Building Podcast, the place to experience life in another dimension, told from the perspective of a visitor to that dimension. I'm Fox Keys. That visitor is me, that dimension is called Doonaree, and I have lived here since I was tricked into passing through an interdimensional gateway, shortly after my 14th birthday. Not only do I wish to share the story of how I survive in Doonaree, I hope my experiences and how I was taught to understand this world may help you build your own unique secondary world. I had planned to talk about map-maping in this episode, but on the morning I was supposed to begin investigating how to navigate the City of Bones, Ganhook shocked me by giving me chores. So, in this episode, I describe how I started earning my keep in Ganhook's compound. I explore how to use boring, common tasks to build characters and locations. And the strange but true section deals with a New Year's Eve tradition in the city of Bones. This episode is once again sponsored by Felgoya. Felgoya, I have discovered, is an experimental musician, whatever that's supposed to mean in this place. And by not telling me more about herself in the last episode, she was trying to invoke an air of mystery. Okay, fine. But that's a hard thing to do when her potential audience isn't even in the same dimension. I have listened to her stuff. Lots of wailing, lots of chiming bells and scraping sounds. It's cool though. She's got me as a new fan. And now on with the show. If I had thought that I would get a nice cool tour around the bone jeweler's neighbourhood every morning, I was soon disappointed. Actually, they are so good at springing disappointments onto me in Doonaree, I wonder if disappointments were a way of life here. Some kind of evil game where people's first thought when they woke up in the morning was, oh, who can we disappoint today? I know, let's get that guy who came from the other dimension, that fox guy. When Gantu greeted me at breakfast, I knew something was up. Only important things brought him to breakfast. It was clear that although he liked me, he didn't know what to do with me, so he avoided me during the day and left the cat and the talking stick to educate me. As I tucked into some toast, Ganhug said, It's time to start airing your keep, Fox. I had heard that before. From Mum. Whatever the lawn needed mowing or leaves needed sweeping, she'd say that "'Earning your keep was a great way to prepare yourself for the world.' "'Ha ha ha. That wasn't very funny to me. "'I considered the whole earning your keep thing at the age of fourteen "'more like child exploitation. "'My parents didn't see it that way, though. "'And their idea of earning my keep was tame compared to Ganhook's plan. "'He wanted me to gather up all the talking advertising spells "'that got trapped in the space.' that tunnel between the outer and inner compound walls, where anything that tried to sneak into the compound got trapped. Gathering and recycling these spells was now my responsibility. What bothered me, though, was why Ganhoek, instead of a stein cat, was telling me this. Had something happened to the cat? I said, we were a stein cat this morning. Ganhook said, Steinkat used to do the Lavon light recycling. But she once had an accident in the recycling room, and she won't return there. Oh, I didn't like the sound of that. I was already surrounded by dangerous things. I didn't need to go looking for more. And what was so worse about this accident compared to all the Steinkat's other accidents, the ones who had made all her ghosts? "'But I asked Ganhook, he said, Steinkat killed herself in there. Suicide, I cried, shocked. Oh no, 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 Ganhuk clasped his hand and shook his head. One of Steinkat's ghosts killed her. I sighed aloud. La 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 la. This was just typical Doonery. Just when you thought things couldn't get weirder, they always did. Ganhuk said that Steinkat had gotten careless fallen into the recycling pit and emerged as ghost cat number 14. The next version of the living stein cat hadn't been happy about that and mocked number 14 mercilessly for being so careless to fall into the pit in the first place. Number 14 didn't like the mocking, so she pushed stein cat into the pit. That made ghost cat number 15. Ganhug said, If it's the only time one of her ghosts turned on Steincat, she has taken steps now to prevent a repeat. He also assured me that the recycling pit had been modified to prevent future accidents. Knowing this didn't make my toast taste any sweeter, no matter how much jam I put on it. After Gandhug's wonderful little confidence-building tale, a tale I was delighted hadn't been a bedtime tale, We went outside, crossed the courtyard and entered the space through the wall. The first time I had been in the space, the advertising spells trapped in there had been roaming the darkness. This time, Ganton showed me where he'd set traps for them, close to the door. They were simple traps, traps that resembled exits to the compound. And once the spell got curious and tried to pass through, it ended up in a grey sack. "'Trapped. Recycling sacks,' Gander called them. "'Over time,' Gander said, "'It'll be your responsibility to keep the whole space clean. "'For now, you could just learn about the traps "'and how to recycle their bags.' "'I was fine with that. "'When it comes to hunting mischievous spirits along a dark tunnel, "'tomorrow was always a better day to do it. "'Once we had gathered seven sacks, "'we returned to the kitchen,' and descended to the recycling chamber which was in the basement. Stacks of metal barrels and crates half filled the room. Actually, the whole place looked a bit boring. The recycling pit was a hole in the floor that dropped away into a funnel. As if to prevent anything from climbing out, the walls of the funnel were smoothly polished stone. There were no railings around the hole. This unsettled me, because... When I looked down into the hole, it was like looking down from a tall building and feeling the urge to jump. Ganhuk must have sensed this because he said, Only recycling spell sacks can pass through the hole. Even if you fall, it'll spit you back out again. It's been modified since Steinkat's accidents. At the mention of Steinkat's accidents, a misshapen foggy mess drifted out from behind a pile of barrels. It was impossible to tell whether it was Ghost Cat Number Fourteen or Ghost Cat Number Fifteen, but the blurry colours resembled Stein Cat, even if it was in the most abstract way. An eye appeared from within the mess, and stared at me. I tried to look away, but I couldn't. This thing looked so wrong, so messy, like it had been chewed up, spat out in a thousand pieces and all those pieces were churning about trying to piece themselves together again. A half-twisted mouth appeared and hissed something unintelligible. I waved at it. It hissed again, before glancing sideways as another furry mess appeared. The two messes hissed and spat and swiped at each other for a while, before, mercifully, sinking back into the wolves. Ganhook pretended he hadn't noticed them. As Eve raised the first recycling bag over the hole, a tiny voice cried out, Don't! Don't do it! Please! Don't do it! At first, I thought it was one of the ghost messes that had called out. Then the sound came again, from the sack. Instinctively, I cried, Wait! Gantuk smiled. It is only the advertising spell. Their devious creators, Add voice effects to try to stop them getting destroyed. Oh no, oh no, oh no, the voice wailed. Please don't kill me, please don't. Ganta dropped the sack. The voice tailed off into a long moan. The sack flopped down and through the opening. A rattling, crunching sound briefly flared up. Followed then by a very sad moan. My mind couldn't make sense of that sound. How on earth could a spell be chewed up by a machine? When Ganhook handed me the second sack, the spell cried out, No! No! Where is your heart? I dropped it into the hole, more out of fright than anything else. More shrieking, more crunching, another long, sad moan. Then Expel pleaded harder, said that if it didn't sell a certain quota of dried fish powder, its family would suffer. That really got me. Got me so bad I felt like stealing some money from somewhere, giving it to the spell and releasing it. Who on earth manufactured these things? What kind of dreadful mind had they? I dumped the rest of the sacks into the hole. I never saw any of the recycling results. And I was glad of it. Just dealing with those spells was enough for one day. I couldn't sleep that night for thinking about all those different voices I'd heard. Fake voices. Ghost voices. My inner voice was active too. Telling me that there was a lesson to be learned from the day's experiences. The lesson had something to do with not beating yourself up too much whenever you make a mistake. Something to do with the cat, I thought. Oddly, though, out of all the voices in my head, Gandhooks was the loudest. As we had left the recycling room, he had said, By the way, when you're gathering the spells, tell me if you hear one advertising a good hair dye. Unlike a blue-grey, that's what I'm after. I couldn't believe it. Gandhook hated the advertising spells. Now it sounded like he listened to some of them like everybody else anyway. With every passing day, the people in Doonaree sounded just as complicated as the people back home. Was this a good thing, or was this a bad thing? I couldn't really figure that one out. But all I knew was that if people were the same on both sides of the interdimensional gateway, well, I had a better chance of surviving this place in the long term. So, what was I to make about all this, earning your keep, carry on? It made me think about how most people spend their days. Even kings and queens don't spend their days fighting great battles, performing heroic acts, or caring for their people. While some rulers live lives of drink and debauchery, most rulers spend their lives doing tedious, day-to-day things, most of the time, ruling isn't glamorous. It's boring. And day-to-day life, from the perspective of a hero or a commoner, isn't much better. Even when a hero was off doing heroic things, much of it is boring. Spending weeks or months hacking your way through a pest-infested jungle to find that lost city of gold will get monotonous. It's tough work. It's boring work. Like a lot of other work. While we don't need to know the boring, trivial details of a character's everyday life, there are wonderful opportunities to use boring, trivial details to add real atmosphere to our world building. Just look for ways to develop ordinary tasks into extraordinary events. It's a great way to slow the pace between high points of a story and a great way to develop some interesting details for your world. How do people wash clothes, clean windows, or dust the carpets in your world? Just think about what could emerge from a dusty carpet when you give it a good whack. Or what might emerge from your clothes when you try to watch the blood off it. My first job in doing a rebe was recycling Levon Light. The concept behind recycling Levon Light was just as simple as the concept of recycling paper. It was just a method that was different. The day-to-day lives of your characters are as important as the heroic or evil or destructive things they do. Think about how everyday things could affect your character's quest. Suppose your protagonist gets called out a urgent task and she leaves the dinner boiling on the stove. Does the dinner get burned or does the house go up in flames? One way or other, there are countless ordinary things that can affect the story and the world. And after a hard day of doing heroic or destructive things, what problems do your heroes return home to? For inspiration, list what day-to-day chores that you detest. Then think about how you can use these chores to make your characters and their world more interesting. This works in many positive ways. Not only will you give your characters something to do. You'll deflate their ego a bit too if they're heroes. And you would also feel satisfaction at sharing your hate experience with someone else. Intertwining the normal boring with the abnormal and exciting increases the relatability element and adds limitless scope for drama in your work. Okay, so trapping and recycling the one light advertising spells sounded great at first. And it was, but not for long. And it really isn't lies nice dealing with spells, programmed to say almost anything to avoid being destroyed. It became a chore. One of many chores that it got dumped on me. And everyone has chores. You may never see Luke Skywalker cleaning his underwear, but I'll guarantee you this. After some of his adventures, he's got lots and lots of scrubbing to do behind the scenes. This episode's Strange But True deals with New Year's celebrations. There are many methods of celebrating the New Year in the City of Bones. The most ancient and popular is called Releasing the Dark. The City of Bones folk are a superstitious lot. Many believe that dark energies seep into their homes throughout the year and that these dark energies need to be released they figure that New Year's Eve is the perfect time to clear these dark energies from their homes. Despite the fact that nobody can explain what a dark energy really is, the roots of this celebration go back to the City of Bones' founding. And having a dark energy lodged in your house is not necessarily a bad thing. You can blame all your bad luck on it. You can use it to avoid inviting unwanted guests. And you can even delay paying your taxes by claiming this dark energy has slowed your ability to work. Most of the population avail of this as an excuse for late payment of tax. The authorities accept this. But you could only delay your taxes this way once throughout your life. So, a form of balance has been reached between the tax authorities and the people. So... How is this dark energy released from your house? By shining light into the darkest places and encouraging the darkness to leave. The only trouble is, only natural light can be used. Direct sunlight. This was fine when the city was young and homes were spacious and mostly on ground floor levels. But as the city expanded upwards, downwards, and homes grew more complicated, it became a problem to cleanse your house with natural light. Mirrors became the solution. By placing a large base mirror on the street, you could direct sunlight into your front door. Then, strategically placed mirrors on stairs, in corners, on shelves, and elsewhere throughout the house, enabled this natural light to enter the darkest corners. The dark energy was attracted by the light, and wouldn't follow the mirrors outside. Cleansing your home with dark energy promised a good year ahead, and to celebrate this, most people threw a party. A big, loud party. And so many people used mirrors on New Year's Eve, you would need sunglasses to avoid the glare from all those base mirrors in the streets. And drunken people and big mirrors didn't really mix well, so the sound of smashing glass throughout the city was as common as birdsong. Of course, many businesses tried to cash in on this over the years by offering specific services to rid your home of dark energy, but most people preferred to keep it a family tradition, and only the mirror manufacturers profited from it. Not everyone, however, believes in dark energy. Some of the more religious called it a fabrication an excuse for debauchery. These puritanical party killers. tried to argue that even if the dark energy existed, chasing it out of your home only moved the problem elsewhere? You people paid any heed to this. Why? Because everybody loves a party. That's why. Especially on New Year's Eve. That's it for this episode of the Insider Worldbuilding Podcast. Next time... I will focus on map making. And the strange but true will tell the story of the Roystick map, the only map in history that existed before the location it portrayed existed. And just to remind you that this episode was sponsored by Velgoya, a wonderful experimental musician from the City of Bones. Perhaps I will add some of her music to the podcast in the future. Until next time, goodbye. Or as we say in doing a read, Dreavik. And the watch Bishop Landy slips and <laughs> stealing the family in a search ground with <laughs> a room with Chelsea.